Hey, this is Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason Podcast. We've been taught to behave, to fit in, to follow the rules, but Dream Masons reject conventional thought. Dream Masons are rebels. They take a chisel to the marble that is typical traditional life. They carve out brilliance and broadcast it to the world. Join me for another chapter as we unmask convention, embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you. Because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up? And welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I am forever and always your host, Alex Terranova. So I've been thinking a lot about, and I've, I've been talking about this with my clients, that the toughest, most challenging, hardest, most difficult, most frustrating, saddest, most depressing, horrifying, shocking moments of our lives open a door, a metaphorical door for some of the greatest, best, happiest, most opportunities and possibilities of our lives. And, and I, I say this and I, I think I'm, it's not to compare myself with other people. I've been pretty fortunate in the sense of I haven't had horrible things happen to me in my life that I can say, Oh, like this is what happened. I have had things that aren't good happen to me. We all have. Um, you know, uh, totaling a car on the busiest freeway in America and having to run, like falling asleep and having to run across the freeway and basically, you know, thinking in a moment I could have died, um, you know, heartbreaks and breakups, people in my life becoming very sick and ill, losing jobs or clients, things like that. Some of us have had much worse experiences for them, right? Again, not in comparison to each other. But I'm pretty convinced that if we're open to looking at that door or walking through that door and seeing what's on the other side, there's magic available over there. Um, and we're going to talk to somebody who has a, a, a very powerful experience like that today. But I challenge you in as a listener in this conversation, or even just in your life right now, to think about, like, go back into your past and think about some of those hard moments of your life and how, how terrible or hard it felt in those moments, right? It might, you might've felt like you were at rock bottom or maybe you were suicidal at some point, or maybe you just thought you would never find love again or all your opportunities were lost or whatever it was, you were alone and abandoned. And if you're still here, you've clearly have moved beyond it. But look at, I wonder if you can spot and see what opportunities or possibilities became possible because of that moment. That right, if that hadn't have happened, everything would have been different. And if you can't see that in the moment, I wonder if you'll see it by the end of this because I think we're going to get some some pretty uh, some pretty juicy <laughs> some pretty juicy stuff within this conversation. My guest today is a transformational speaker. She's a coach. She's an award-winning business coach, I should say. She's also a best-selling author, and she this is pretty amazing. Jack Canfield, if you're, if you, I mean, I feel like I knew who Jack Canfield was long before I was in personal development or personal growth. 
but she has authored three books. One is called Mastering the Art of Success with Jack Canfield. She also wrote a book that I am holding in my hands called Shattered, which is about the her experience at the Boston Marathon bombings. And she wrote a book called Be Courageous. She's a producer in the like film industry. She works with human beings. She's somebody who tra- who's working on herself and transforming her life and the trans and the and the um, personal development and transformational space of others. Welcome to the Dream Mason Podcast, Jennifer Kaufman. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I always like to ask people like when they start, you know, do you have any thoughts? You just listen to me kind of preamble a little bit. Um, do you have any thoughts or anything that you want to share around anything that I said? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, I want to expound on something that you said about, you know, when we're in the moment of the situation, you know, whether it's the car accident or the illness, whether it's for ourselves personally or someone else, right? When we're in those experiences, oftentimes we can't see a way out, right? We can't see how to rise up from that experience and, and, you know, whether it's to forgive somebody that might've hurt you, right? Or betrayal, right? Um, Oftentimes we get stuck, right? We get stuck in that and in the, in the mire of it, or at least I used to be stuck in that, I should say. And so I hope by the end of this conversation, people are inspired by the fact that if we actually take a different perspective on when these things happen in our lives, and rather than look at it from a place of the victim or this, you know, something bad has happened and, you know, woes me, something I used to, you know, do years ago, but rather look at it as how is this here to serve me, which is actually really difficult to ask that question, right? So as somebody who has stood 15 feet from the first of two explosions at the Boston Marathon bombing to ask myself that question, how is this meant to serve me? How is this meant to help me? And I'll tell you, um, it was a difficult question to ask in the beginning. And people close to me, when I would share that, would be like, are you crazy? And I'm like, you know, maybe I am. But I can tell you from past traumas previously, how I chose to handle that was different. And so this time I was like, how do, how do I rise up from this? How, how do, how, like, and so for me, it took me on a journey inward. And in that journey, and I, I, I equate it to going on a treasure hunt, right? So when you go on a treasure hunt, is the gold or the treasure at the surface? No, it's actually dug underneath the muck and the mud and the crap and the, all of that. You actually have to go digging. You got to get dirty. And you got to go through some, some crappy times and feel that pain. And to allow that to emerge, not get stuck in it, but allow it to move out and express itself so that you can see on the other side of the good. And I will say this, that, you know, that was a, a horrific and terrifying experience. And when you go back and you look at what it brought, it brought so many people together. It actually brought people together and surrounded and took strangers, frankly, and brought them together and they emerged through love. Rather than hate, 
they chose to come together and support each other in a loving situation. And like that is one of the key lessons that I learned here is that, you know, when this stuff happens, if we're open to it and we can, you know, you know, look beyond the heartache and the hurt and be open to another possibility of forgiveness and for, you know, opening ourselves up to love, that is where the transformation happens. And it's not until we get to those places to the other side that we start to experience peace. I'd love to share a quick story with you if you're open to it. Um, So, you know, it was two years after, um, after the bombings had happened. And it was during the course of the trial. And I had been, um, you know, I had been in attendance uh, for a number of the days of the trial. And it, it actually brought up a lot of rage for me and a lot of anger. And I was, I was struggling to be with that rage and anger. And during that time, um, I had a choice. I could forgive the bombers or I could hold on to that anger and resentment. And I actually would contemplate and think silently in my, in the privacy of my own home, actually killing them with my bare hands because my life was my life. I thought was really great. And then in a matter of seconds was completely shattered and everything that I loved, everything that I knew was gone. You know, my, my whole world was gone. And so I would, I would sit sit there and silently think about what it would be like to actually kill them. And then I realized one day through my meditation practice that if I actually acted on that rage and anger, I'm actually no different than the terrorist. That was humbling, super humbling to, to like, oh my gosh, I'm not a terrorist. And yet I realized that I was actually having terrorist-like thoughts. And, I, and if I acted on it, I actually would be no different than them. That actually was a slight opening for me. And then that took me on this journey of, do I forgive, do I not forgive? I'm like, how do you forgive the unforgivable? How do you forgive two young men who you know, hurt innocent people and whose lives were completely shattered? How do you do that? And I struggled with that as somebody who has forgiven, you know, for other, you know, could I forgive somebody that hurt me or, you know, rear ended me or something like that? I was like, well, that's, that's easier to forgive, but how can you forgive two people that completely, you know, shattered your life and you didn't know how on earth you were going to rise up from that. And so that took me on a journey and, and long story short is I was presented with an opportunity to write a victim impact statement. And I never viewed myself as a victim from that experience. I always classified myself as a survivor, but this is a, you know, a legal term. Um, and I chose to do it. It was probably one of the hardest things I've ever written because I actually had to face how that experience impacted every area of my life, how it impacted me personally, how it impacted my family, how it impacted my relationships with family and friends and, you know, loved ones, how it impacted my business, how it impacted me financially, how it impacted me health-wise, spiritually, mentally, every aspect of my life was painful. And it took me over a month to write that. But then I had another opportunity to present it in court. And I chose to do that. 
I was one of about 28 people that did that, um, you know, open, you know, open in court. I was the second to last person to go. And all but two people before me chose to express their rage and anger. And I have no judgment, right? Because I was there myself. They chose to express their rage and anger towards him. His, his brother had been deceased at this point. Um, and I was terrified. Terrified. I'm here going to get up and speak about my, the impact on me, but I'm also going to speak about forgiveness. And how are people going to perceive me? And, um, you know, and as somebody who has spoken in front of hundreds and thousands of people in the past, once in my life, I am like terrified. How are people going to, how am I surviving, you know, survivor community going to, you know, treat me and view me now? So it's my turn to go up. I'm shaking profusely. I'm crying. And the bomber, um, I don't actually choose to call him that anymore because he's actually, you know, a young man. And uh, Johar Zanayev was supposed to be facing us, but he never looked at anyone during this time. He only looked off, off in the distance and just in a blank stare. I read my five page victim impact statement and the very end of it was a paragraph about how I forgave him and his brother for what they did. I basically forgave the unforgivable. And in a brief second, we exchanged eye contact with one another. He just looked out of the corner of his eye at me and we shared contact. And in that moment, I had an overwhelming amount of peace come over me. Nothing I could ever fathom or even imagine. And from that day forward, that was like, a, a like, it was like, it skyrocketed me, you know, in my healing, in my recovery, like my overall well-being started to improve. And not that I hadn't been working on it for the past two years, but it was just like that rage and anger dissolved. And I was for the first time had compassion for the young man before me, whereas before I wanted him dead. And I never in a million years could have imagined that that's what forgiveness would do. I, I had no idea, but it set me free. It set me free from that experience. And um, in my life hasn't been the same since. I just got, I, I got complete chills when you, at the end of that story. Um, like I could, I can, Obviously, I wasn't there. I wasn't in your shoes, but I could feel like I just could imagine, right? Like almost like I don't know what that would feel like to have somebody somebody do something that is so dramatically changing, and you say something that you know we don't know what he was thinking when he looked at you, but it's like something got in which had him look right, um, and he didn't look and yell. He didn't look and give you a mean look. He just connected with you. Um, and I would say, I mean, like to me, that's what forgiveness is, 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 is access to connection, access to humanity. Um, you said something before, oh, man, you said, you just said a lot, but you said something before about, about the pain and the rage 
and how you, when you wanted to strangle, or I don't remember if you said strangle, but like murder, you know, him and mm-hmm. his brother. And I don't know why in the moment that you said it and you, you shared the, Hey, then I'd be just like them. I was instantly taken to a place of whatever had them do what they did was likely caused exactly the way you were feeling, right? Like they didn't, they weren't babies born with like, we're going to blow things up, right? Something, I don't know enough about them, but something happened in their lives that created so much rage and anger that they wanted to hurt and kill people. Just like something happened in your life that made you want to hurt and kill people. And to me, like when I hear that, that's the reminder of where forgiveness comes from, right? Like there wasn't, we, I, I don't know who said it, but like people aren't born evil, right? We're like, it's a, it's things happen to us that make us crappy basically, right? We get like this, it's almost like the system gets a virus in it. And unfortunately we don't, as a world, don't view it like that, right? So we put lock people up. We don't actually like, hey, let's, let's clean the computer out like we would. We just basically throw the computer in the trash and get a new one. Um, but that was a really powerful reminder of, and it doesn't have to be something as dramatic, dramatic and serious as deadly as what you described, right? It's the person that like, you know, um, breaks your heart and you hate them and you're so angry and remembering that like maybe where they're coming from was like fear or hurt or, you know, who knows? Um, mm-hmm. It's such an access to me, at least it feels like a very clean access to forgiveness when you don't know how to get to forgiveness. Like what happened over there that had them be, you know, that put them in the same place that you are in now. So here's the thing about forgiveness. After that, I got curious. I got curious about what, who does something like that? Because I agree with you. We're not born evil. We're actually born out of love, right? Like, I mean, just the act of making love, right? Like we are born out of love. So hate is something that is brought on from a society standpoint, from a culture standpoint, right? And typically through war. So after that experience, and it wasn't right away, it took some time, um, like several months later, um, I don't know exactly, but several months later, I got curious, like, huh, where are they from? What would, would have them do that? And I learned that they were from... Um, I don't recall exactly today, like it might have been Kazakhstan, but somewhere over um, in a country near Russia, the Soviet Union. Okay, and what I learned was the city that they were born in when they were growing up was bombed. And guess what? It was bombed by by, you know, the United Nations, which we we the United States are a part of. Right. And that, you know, there was some war going on over there at the time and we were involved and we're dropping bombs. And here, fast forward, they have an opportunity to come to this country and immigrate into this country. Their parents brought them here. Right. And um, and here they're, you know, you know, they're integrating into our way of of culture. And, you know, here they their life was taken from them as children. And you can you imagine coming to this country and seeing so many people who are happy and thriving and we don't have bomb ridden streets here. You know, at least, at least we didn't, you know, I mean, bombing on us soil is fairly new, right. Um, in the last couple of decades. And so, you know, here it's like, and now all of a sudden I was like, wow, now I see where that came from. Like I actually could put myself in their shoes 
um, to some degree. And I, and that actually, I told you that I had compassion in the courtroom. When I learned this, I actually had love present. I actually was like, wow, these are boys. These are boys that I can't imagine how terrified they were. Right. I can't imagine, you know, we, we grew, I grew up playing, not, you know, not afraid of when a bomb was going to go off. That was never in my consciousness and awareness. And so like I could free, I could play freely, you know, and, and not have to worry about that. I can't even imagine what that's like. And all of a sudden I could access why they were so angry and why they were so rageful. And I was like, wow, if, and, and I really could get like, what if we could come together and, and actually sit down and even though we might not agree and we don't have to agree, right? We're not made, we're not made to agree with one another, but actually stop and listen to one another in a way in which we can be heard. Not to change, not to have someone else's viewpoint, not to be the same, right? But they're, they grew up in a different religion. They have a different background. They have a different ethnicity. So what? They're a human being too. Everybody deserves to be loved. Everybody deserves to be acknowledged. Everybody deserves to, to, to be appreciated and to be valued for their uniqueness. We're not designed to be the same. But yet, yeah. but yet we've come to a place in time where I look at my nieces, right, who are now 12 and 14. And, and they're like, there's this, like, you got to be the same to fit in. What's that all about? You know what I mean? Like, there's this way of that, like, we've shifted, you know, to try to get people to feel like they can fit in. I'm like, you know, we fit in with ourselves. It starts from within and allowing ourselves to be our unique, authentic self. And what makes us different is also what brings us together and unites us. And when we can come together from that place, we actually create, you know, innovation. We actually can solve problems. Like, you know, we live in a world where we still have poverty. We still have homelessness. We have veterans coming back from war. And on average, 22 of them are committing suicide. That number may be less now. I haven't looked at the stat lately, but, but people are still killing themselves. But yet we, we can solve other we're so innovative in so many other ways. How can we can't solve humanity's biggest problems? Like, what if we were just to come together and look at the opposite sides and put our differences aside and actually say, hey, how can we, how can we rise up from this together? How can we, how can we share more? You know, and I believe in abundance. I believe in we all have the ability to thrive. But that means that I can't be greedy. I can't take from you. And you can't take from me. I've, you're reminding me of, I've thought a lot about as a, as a man who has spent a lot of time working on like my heart side and my vulnerability and my compassion, my empathy, um, and getting out of just the masculine that society taught me to have and embrace like the feminine, put them together and create something really powerful. Um, I thought a lot about lately and you've reminded me of this, right? Like we live in a time where men are abusing power. Like it happens, it, it, 
we live in a world where white men for the most part have power, but all men and like men in general are abusing power. Um, whether they be like police or producers of movies, you know, or heads of banks or, you know, politicians. Right. And we, we've forever lived. I mean, and that's gone on for hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. And we, and we live in a time where, um, a lot, you know, we could say most of the, right. The war is, a male dominated activity. Murder is a male dominated activity. Violent, domestic violence is a male dominated activity. Um, child like molestation or rape, like whether it be children or, or adults is a male dominated activity. And you're reminding me of the, these are all problems that have existed. They, they exist now more, more loudly because of the way our society, we can see them more clearly, but they've existed since the beginning of time, basically. And how it's not to have, it's not a, to say that any of these things are okay, but I love like the approach of that same approach you took, like what, what's happening to these people that's having them behave like this, right? What's happening to somebody, you know, uh, a police officer that abuses power, what's happening to a, a man that, you know, beats, rapes, steals, you know, kidnaps, whatever. Um, people that want to go to war, like they're accept, like they're, it's, you know, there's people obviously that go because they're like, Hey, I want to defend our country. There's things like that. But then there's people that actually want to go, right. They want to fire guns. They want to do that. And it's, 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 it's bringing me back to, I mean, a lot of my mission is like, Hey, how do we, we're not going to just make people stop doing things, right? Like that's just not going to, people are not going to stop doing whatever they're doing, but how do we like heal people? like love people, connect with people so that someone could go, man, my like impulse is to strangle. My impulse is to do this bad thing. But because of that, like almost like glimpse eye moment you had, I'm like stopped and I want to help me make a new decision. Help me, help me try to be different. Help me try to be better. Um, I don't have an answer for any of these things, obviously. Right. But I'm in this. Actually, like, actually I do. Please go, please. I actually do. So I'm going to share some other things. So, you know, um, the terrorist, you know, attack was not my first trauma, actually. I actually had quite a bit of childhood trauma. Um, you know, at first it started with, you know, my my dad left when I was just a little girl. And, you know, and I loved my dad, right? And so, you know, may not think anything of it, but you know, things didn't work out with my parents. I was, I was like six years old when my dad left and, um, that was really hard, right? It was really hard. And then soon after that, I witnessed a man attacking my mom in the middle of the night who came into our home and it was my sister and I sleeping, um, and came in and it was attacking my mom. I heard the, the, the scuffle and I got up out of bed to see what was going on. And thankfully I did because, that act of me getting up got my mom to be able to break free and, you know, call for help. Right. But this was my experience as a child. Fast forward. Um, I was 11 years old and I was sexually assaulted by a man and two women, two, three people I did not know. And it happened at a cookout of all places. Uh, the man actually pulled me aside and said, Hey, we're getting a bunch of kids to go out on the boat and we're going to go out and, you know, do a jaunt around the lake. 
And I was like, sounds fun. I'm a pretty adventurous, courageous, you know, kid. And, and he's like, go ask your mom if it's okay to go. So I run, ask my mom, my mom's like, just wear your life jacket. No problem. So the dock happened to be just far enough on the edge of the property that where everybody was congregated, you couldn't see. So I run down to the dock thinking that it's going to be me and a bunch of kids. I didn't know. And it was me and this gentleman and two other women. I did not know them. And for a moment, I paused like, oh, that's odd. But then I just didn't think anything of it. Like I couldn't imagine what was about to happen next. And then, you know, then things happen. I'm not going to talk about that. Right. But some really horrific things happen there. And and talk about of abuse of power. Right. But in this in my experience, it wasn't just the male. There were actually females involved, too. And so when we got back, so obviously it started out on the water in the boat. When we got back to the dock, I went running and he went after me, lured me back into the woods, attacked me some more, and then said, if you ever tell anyone, I'm going to come and harm you and your family. And I took that literally. So I literally buried that within myself. And so I couldn't verbalize my pain. I couldn't verbalize my trauma. I actually had to become the best actress of my life, which is interesting that I'm now in film, right? Do you see the, the parallel here? Is that I had to become the best actress of my life and make sure that nobody knew what had happened to me. And I was fortunate. I actually was really good. But that meant that I created a facade and I had to be inauthentic with the world so they couldn't see. They couldn't see. I was just in so much pain, you know? Um, I had to hide all that. I had to hide my anger. I had to hide my emotions. I had to pretend like everything was fine. And that's, you know, that's how I led my life for 20 years. And then my dad passed away. Long story short is my, you know, my father and I were estranged for 10 years, um, 10 or so years. And 9-11 happened. And 9-11, I was supposed to be on a plane that day, ironically. But my plans got changed a couple of days before. And I had colleagues that were in the World Trade Center that perished that day. And I thought to myself, I was about to turn 30 the next month. My dad was about to turn 50 the next month. I thought to myself, life's too short to have any grudges. So I reached out to my dad to make amends with him. And we did. We started that journey. And two and a half months later, three days after Christmas, he died in a tragic boating accident. And I thought to myself, what the hell is life about? I don't understand it. I don't get it. And we hadn't, or I hadn't fully gone through the process of healing all of the, the, the heartache that kept us apart for 10 years. So I held a lot of guilt and resentment towards myself because I didn't, wasn't able to express myself, you know, while he was alive. And what I didn't know, so obviously I went into therapy for that, right? I was heavily medicated because I was depressed and had anxiety and panic and you name it. I just, I didn't want to live candidly. And that wasn't the first time I had that experience. But what happened over, over my grieving process was I was now being reminded 
of the sexual trauma as a little girl. And so imagine a nightmare on top of another nightmare. And I thought I was going crazy, candidly. And my therapist said to me, you actually have to tell your family this. And I thought to myself, why on earth would I tell my family this? My mom would be horrified that she didn't know that her baby girl experienced this and she didn't know. She's going to blame herself. I'm like, you know, and, and I was like, I'm not going to share that. What's the point? And I resisted her request for me to share that. And what happened was my depression got worse, even though I was on medication. My panic anxiety and my panic disorder and anxiety got worse, even though I was on medication. They upped my medication and it wasn't, I mean, it was taking the edge off, but it wasn't really dealing with it. And I finally was just like, I can't take it anymore. And I had the courage to do something I never thought I could do, was to face my mom and one of my siblings and tell them what had happened to me. And my mom, of course, did exactly what I thought she would do. She, she broke down in despair. Like, how could I not know that? And I said, no, no, no. This is the whole reason why I didn't want to share this. Don't go down that path. Don't blame yourself. Don't do that. I did this to protect ourselves, to protect me and to protect us. And I made sure you never knew because I wanted us to live. So don't blame yourself for this because I'm the one that chose to do that. And in that moment of sharing, a tremendous amount of healing took place. And I never, ever in a million years could have imagined it. But what was happening was I was reclaiming that part of myself that I was hiding from. It wasn't about my mom and my sister. It was about reclaiming those parts of me that I was ashamed of or hiding from. And fast forward, that's actually what the bombing did. The bombing actually got me to go back and reclaim those parts of myself that I was ashamed of, that I was embarrassed of, that I was disgusted by. And I would have to actually look myself in the eye and learn how to fall in love with me, who felt broken, who felt shattered. And that's the blessing in this, is that that's the gift that these horrible experiences gave me. It, it gave me an opportunity to come back to myself, to love myself in ways I had never loved before. Because here's the other irony, is that I had, I'm born and raised in Boston. I went to undergrad school and grad school in Boston. I worked in the city. Like I know the city like the back of my hand, and yet I had never been to the marathon before that year. And I was a spectator. I hated long distance running. My idea of running was behind a white ball, a volleyball, a soccer ball, a softball. And yet, the irony is that this experience happens and teaches me to stop running from myself and stop hiding from myself. And then four years later would give me the strength to do something impossible I never thought I could do, which is actually run the marathon. And that's another symbolism because life is a journey. Life is a marathon. I was running sprints. I was running from and doing all these things. I had all these successes and yet I felt unfulfilled, unsatisfied. I wondered why I couldn't have 
lasting, loving, committed relationships. Because the truth is I wasn't loving and committed to myself. You, again, so much. And thanks for sharing. Like, you know, obviously it brought up emotion for you. um, But thanks for sharing like vulnerable, deep, like that's, it's one thing to share with your family. It's another to share on a, we just met, you know, people listening don't know who you are. I think it's so important because I I'm right there with you and your therapist, like the holding stuff in is not helping any of us. And I do think I love when someone comes on the show and shares something that like, you know, people aren't even telling their partners, right. They're not telling their family, their best friends, like they're, and this stuff is happening all the time everywhere. And people are going through experiences like yours and worse and, 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 and maybe never revealing it. Right. And I love when somebody comes on here and actually shows you know, courage and vulnerability and bravery to open it up and also shows how the, the, the ripples that not only does it heal you, but it can actually heal others that go, wait, I can, she can do it. I can do it. Um, and that's somebody, and I think even on the other side that people will listen, right? Like I can be here as somebody who didn't have an experience like that. And I'm not uncomfortable, right? I can hear it and have compassion and love for you. And I don't need to run away from it either, right? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an unfortunate aspect of life. But again, to the gold on the other side, right? I don't think any of us would trade like, oh, I would. But, but I love that you, you piece it together. The other thing that it so reminds me of, and I'm curious of how this has impacted you as, as a man who, who is single and in like the dating world, I often... I'm thinking about when I'm on dates with people or when I'm dating someone, what's happened in their life that has them behave the way that they're behaving Mm -hmm. instead of things being about me, right? Often like we're, you don't have to be single to have this experience, right? You're, you're married to someone, you're dating someone, you have a partner, whatever it is, and they behave in a certain way. And you're like, Oh, are they mad at me? Do they not like me? Did I do (laughs) something wrong? And it's, it's a, such a, it's fun, but it's also interesting, you know, like, I often will find myself dating women who who have a lot of walls up, and I and and all and at first the default would be like, oh, they're not into me, you know, or they're boring, they don't want to share, and then it's like, wait a minute, what may have happened in their life that would have them have built walls? They weren't born with walls, and in in recognizing that, it allows it when it's because it's not about me then, right? It allows me to just be with them, which then allows them to take down the wall because it's safe and allows two people to connect. And all right, again, it doesn't have to be a date. This could be your partner. This could be your best friend that you, you know, that you're having a relationship with that you notice about. But I think there's so much gold in that. Like when we stop thinking about ourselves and we go, wait, that thing that they did, what, why may they have done that? What happened in their life that would have them act defensive, scared, fearful, closed off, right? It, it provides so much access. And it also reminds us like we all have versions of this, right? We all have mm-hmm. our own version of how we stay safe, how we stay protected, how we stay guarded, how we, my, my book is called Fictional Authenticity for like, right? You created a fictionally authentic life. Mm-hmm. Everyone thought you were being real, but you weren't. And at mm-hmm. some point you had to discover it, right? Just like I did. And we found it in our own ways, but Wow, just there's so much gold in what you shared. I want to ask you um, 
about, cause I, I know we, we, you and I talked a little bit about before we started recording the, the kind of gifts that all of this made possible now in like the next leg of your life. So you, you experience trauma, essentially like, like lots of trauma throughout your life. The, the marathon happened would be like, let's say like culminating or the, the kind of cap on this. Mm-hmm. And you shared with me before, and you shared a little bit here, like you contemplate a suicide two times, but the possibility, the door that opened up because of all this, will you share like kind of where you're going and why you think it's possible because of all of that? Yeah. And I, I want to actually share a couple of different things. Um, well, first and foremost, I want to share that it actually looking back on it now, I had such protective walls and barriers to speak to what you were saying because I had so much hurt. I had so much hurt and I, I had, I was coming from a place of people hurt people, right? And, and people betray people. And I witnessed that over and over and over again as a child. And so for me to feel safe in the world and to actually trust people was really challenging. So, you know, people would, you know, I was a very outgoing, I still am outgoing, you know, I'm a very outgoing person, but I always kept people at arm's length, my lovers at arm's length, my friends at arm's length, because I didn't want them to get too close because it didn't feel safe. Because I was like, what if they hurt me? But yet what was interesting is that because I kept them at arm's length, they couldn't feel the love. They couldn't feel the connection because I wasn't fully connected, right? I was disconnected on some level. So that's the interesting because our mind will tell us and kind of play tricks with us to think that, oh, you know what? I'm having these walls up to keep me safe. And but yet it's actually keeping us from the very thing that we want is that love and connection. Now, I'm sure we've all experienced our heartache, our first love or our first kiss, and it didn't turn out the way that we wanted. And we're like, oh my gosh, how could we ever love again? And yet that's the thing, right? Is to actually have the courage to stay open to love again, right? And it's like, if we didn't feel heartache, then like I, I've come to reframe it. Like if I feel heartache, it's because I loved that that much. I allowed myself to be vulnerable that much, even if I wasn't fully vulnerable, but I let someone in that much. And so it's like, now it's like, oh, right, right. And I can do it again. And maybe, you know, and it's having the courage to go back and be even more vulnerable and to actually open ourselves up deeper. And when we can allow for that, deeper level of connection, it's pure bliss, it's ecstasy, it's magical. But it requires us to actually share not just the good sides of us, but the shadow sides of us, right? We're not, we're not perfect, right? And without, without darkness, we wouldn't experience light. And so when we can actually say, you know, I did something stupid, I made a mistake, and own it, Right. Or to ask somebody, what do you need? I'm noticing that you're putting up a wall, you know, or, you know, a lot of times, you know, we can be triggers for people. Right. Because if we start to open up our vulnerability, it can be a trigger for someone else and could scare people. And rather than run from it, just give them the space to be themselves, not to change them or whatever, but let them have that experience because that's their breakthrough if they choose to have it. So, you know, I will say that. To go back to your question, you know, I now view the bombing as the greatest gift of my life because it literally blew me open and it literally shattered those protective barriers and walls and opened me up 
in ways in which I had never experienced before. And I had to let people in to help me to rise. This was this for once in my life as somebody who's an independent, successful businesswoman and somebody who, you know, was very successful in the corporate world. I couldn't rise up from this experience alone. I actually had to let people in. I had to learn how to trust myself and others to rise up from that. And so in, in that journey, I experienced love newly. I experienced connection in a way in which I had never done before. And here's the other thing. Because I let people in, people are now all of a sudden helping me to achieve the things I want to achieve in my life. I've been really great at helping others achieve what they want to achieve in life. But I left myself on the sideline because I didn't, I didn't know how to let people in. I didn't think I was worthy. I didn't think I was lovable. And it wasn't until, you know, I'm like, no, wait, I am worthy. I am lovable. So now I really hope, right? I'm not, I'm not a special person. I'm no different than you. I'm no different than your listeners. The only difference is I chose a different path because the path I had tried numerous times before was a dead end. And there was not a lot of love there. And it wasn't satisfying and it wasn't fulfilling. So I encourage people to lean in, to lean into that space and be willing to forgive and be willing to love. And here's the thing, I actually had to be willing to forgive myself too. And I had to be willing to look at the sides of me that scared me, the sides of me that I was ashamed of, um, because I didn't make wise choices after some of those experiences I had. I'm not proud of the fact that I actually sat and contemplated numerous times. If I just could get my hands on him, how I would kill him. I'm not proud of that, but that's the truth. And I realized I now have a choice. I can be that person or I can be somebody else, but it starts with me. It starts from within. So you have, you know, we have to ask ourselves, who do we choose to be? Do we want to be the victim who rages and lashes out and shuts some stuff down, which only perpetuates more violence and more, you know, hate in the world or disconnection in the world? It doesn't even have to be as far as hate, it just disconnection of the world. Or do we want to be the type of people who can rise up and connect and love more? And I believe that if we do that, we will actually experience more peace in the world. But it starts from within. I actually think that if we can actually empower and inspire people and encourage people to go within to do their own transformational journey that one day we could actually experience peace in the world and actually experience a world without war and without hate i i love the microcosm of of this idea and i've experienced it myself when i was a negative person i was surrounded by negative people when i was a person who thought things happened to me you know, and I was a victim of anything, right? From a bad boss to a bad, you know, relationship, things happened to me. I was surrounded by people who had the same mindset and who were victims also. And little by little, as I was like, wait, I don't want to think like this and I don't want to be this kind of person. The, the, the environment around me started to change. The people started to change. The clients started to change. The job started to change. The love started to change. And it wasn't like a, right overnight. It wasn't like my world just suddenly transformed. It was a, and there were some 
some, I think like there were some rocky roads in there, right? Some friendships that had to go away the rough way. They weren't just clean, like we're not friends anymore. We're going in different paths. There was some heartbreak in the, in, in transformation and change, right? Like I like the, the, the moth or the butterfly thing like that transformation is not clean. It's mucky. Even, even childbirth, right? The transformation from being a, an in, inside an embryo turning into a, a, an unborn baby coming out is, is, is messy and dirty and right. There's all sorts of things. Yeah. Painful. Thank you. Yeah. And, and traumatic really like for both, you know, for all parties involved. And, um, but that's what makes right. A life is made possible through that, through that transformative experience. Um, and I, I, I really hear that it's not that our world would suddenly just like no more war, no more poverty. It would be, you know, I do it and my life now looks different. I'm surrounded by people who are loving and uplifting and positive. And when something goes wrong, everyone's like, you know, the next thing is going to be better, right? Like I'm not surrounded with by people who go, Oh, poor you, that shouldn't have happened. Let's right. Like that's all different now. And if, I, if you and I do that, and other people do that all of a sudden it's it's almost like a domino effect right like you it's not everyone doesn't have to do it at the same time or in the same way but with each person that changes that or even becomes like i like to think of myself as like my only job in this life is to be a lighthouse it's not my job to go out and make people be different it's just my job to be here come from love live a great life and have people go I want what he's got. Like, how do I get some, how do I live? Like, how do I become, make more money and feel like I'm on vacation all the time? Right. Like, like, how do I get that? And people then gravitate there. Right. And, and, you know, you've shared what I, what I am totally blown away with is to me, if I'm listening to this and I'm somebody that's like overcome, that's dealt with a lot of trauma, I'm like, I want what she's got. How did she get from so many painful things to a life of possibility. Um, and I just want to thank you for, for coming on here because that's what I'm like so taking away is, is that, that, that you as a lighthouse are, hey, all this stuff can happen to you and yet you can still love, you can still forgive, you can still love yourself and others and you can get to a place where even despite what your past says or what it's taught you, you can create whatever you want. Absolutely. Um, and I will say this and don't have expectations that. So I think there's an unrealistic expectation here, too, that people think like, oh, so that means life becomes easier once you go. No, 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 no. Like we're always growing. If, if we choose the path of transformation, we're always growing. We're always changing. That means there's growing pains. That means there's stumbles. I actually just had a heartbreak, a heart you know, break situation where, you know, a friend of mine who had been a friend and a, and a client of mine for 10 years, and we just had this most horrific split. And it came out of the blue. I've forgiven her and all of that, but it happens. It happens. So, you know, just the, the key here is just to play and dance with life, right? And we do have storms. You know, the weather doesn't, it's not Always well, maybe in San Diego, not where I'm from. It's no, we got we got two months. It's May and May and June are are, are all gloomy for two months. But so that's my point <laughs> is that you know just go live life because yeah. we don't know when it's going to be taken from us. So just live, but don't have an expectation that or it's always going to be happy and roses and sun. No, the 
storms are meant to help us grow and evolve. Without rain, flowers can't bloom. Without darkness, we wouldn't know light. So just like live, go out and live and create your best life and, and ask yourself, if you don't love your life now, look in the mirror. You're the reason why you don't love it. And, you, and the beauty of that is you have the power to change it. You just have to have the courage. You have to have the courage to say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not interested anymore. I'm going to let that job go because it just doesn't serve me. And I'm going to go find something else. Don't live your life. I, trust me, for years, I lived my life focused on success and money. And it was, don't get me wrong. I like success and don't get me wrong. I like money because it provides things that allows me to give back in ways in which I couldn't. But I was a servant to that. And I actually put myself in situations where I didn't love my work, but I loved the paycheck. And it's like, well, what if you could have it all? What if you could actually love what you do and you actually make money at it too? And you get to actually transform in your community through just by doing what you love. That's also a ripple effect. So I really hope that people actually, and COVID gives us that opportunity, right? It gives us the opportunity to look at, hey, now what? Now what? What now what do I want for my life? And go create that blueprint for themselves, right? And it starts with us. Now, how do you want your life to change and evolve? You have the power to do it. And I hope you do. I love that. We're going to end right there. I'm not going to say anything else. Jennifer Kaufman, thanks for being here. I want to remind people just a couple of things so they can like find out more about you, know where to find you. So first off, your books are Mastering the Art of Success with Jack Canfield shattered and be courageous you've produced you have some documentaries right you have a one-man show on broadway called big dream which featured rudy from the movie from the movie in the story rudy um and you have some emmy awards and some documentaries are there any names you want to throw out if people want to look for them or should we just tell them to go to your website and they can like find everything is that they better can find everything on my website <laughs> what's your website jenniferkaufman.com and it's, I'm going to spell it for people just for, so Jennifer is spelled as you would assume Jennifer. And then Kaufman is K-A-U-F-F-M-A-N. We'll put all that in the show notes. You also have a, a gift that you want to give away to listeners. Um, do you want to share that or do you want me to share it for you? No, sure, sure. So if you go to my website, you can actually download an excerpt from my book with Jack Canfield. Um, and uh, you can actually become on my uh, mailing list and you'll learn we're actually I'm rolling out a film um, with a whole bunch of amazing transformational goodies for people. So if this of interest to you, I'm giving away uh, the excerpt to the book Mastering the Art of Success. And then you can get on the mailing list and learn more about some of the transformational stuff that's coming down the pike that that may uh, some of your listeners may be interested in, in watching and, and listening in the future. Awesome. awesome. Well, thanks for, thanks for being generous and, and giving that away to the listeners. Um, and just thanks for being here and giving us your time and your, you know, the, I said it before, but thanks for being vulnerable. Thanks for having the courage and the bravery to like share your story with humans that you don't even know. Um, and knowing like, not only is it healing for you, but the ripple effects can change lives. Thank you. It's been an honor to be with you today, Alex. So thank you. Thanks. And everybody listening, I say this every time, but I, you know, I know that there's value in this for you, but who do you know? Like, who do you know that needs to hear this episode specifically today? Like, who do you know that maybe is 
you know, depressed or suicidal, or so they've come upon hard times or they've had hard times in their life that hearing this might, I don't know, make an impact, might change something, might, maybe it gets in a little bit more than, um, whatever you've been trying, but who can you share this episode with that, uh, needs to hear it. And thanks for being here. Thanks for supporting the show and listening. And, uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.